0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 219.
1: Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar.
0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, The dark side of artificial intelligence, I think, gets the most of the uh, attention in the media. But there are countless ways that AI has improved our lives. Some of it is 100% silent and unknown to those who are not in the know and even unknown to people like me who, uh, you know, don't know the way that uh, AI and machine learning are applied in every single industry. Nobody can know that. And so we're going to dive into one notable example today. But before, I just wanted to ask you guys, how did you like returning to our roots of uh machine learning and AI the other day. I know that it might be jarring for some people out there who might be more into the current events or the issues stuff and and some vice versa, but actually I'm always surprised by how non-faced some people are. Some people out there, I think a lot of you out there just have the same interests as me. We talk about things that are interesting to me on the local maximum and uh I hope that it's interesting to you too. And in 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 many cases it seems like it is. So uh, we're going to continue for a few episodes along these lines. I'll give you the plan at the end. Um, and it was also great to start Local Maximum Labs. Hopefully, I'll have, a, um, I'll have an episode, or not an episode, I'll have a website up about Local Maximum Labs, maybe a blog post about uh, the bias-corrected machine learning paper that I just put out. Uh, so I hope, you'll, I, I hope I'll get to communicate more to you on that uh, as well. So all right, uh, and if you want to uh, join the conversation got to remember to talk about this. If you want to join the conversation, head to our locals at maximum.locals.com. I appreciate everyone on there. I always check to see uh, what the messages are and what conversations we're having on there. And also, you could just email the show at localmaxradio at gmail.com. So today, we're going to cover two great fields that uh uh, are often covered, two great topics that we cover on The Local Maximum. One is AI and the other is entrepreneurship. Uh, AI specifically in places that you wouldn't expect. We've done it before. I think in the the notable episode on that is with Lisa Palmer in episode 148. And uh, also on entrepreneurship, one of my favorite episodes in the past is with, we, I've, I've interviewed entrepreneurs um, and founders on in, in all different circumstances, but my favorite is still the first one with uh, my good friend Dennis Crowley in episode seven, who founded Foursquare. Uh, and today we're going to combine those two. We're going to learn how AI and a form of machine learning, uh, specifically, we're going to talk a little bit about simulations in machine learning, how this is making construction projects more efficient around the world. And I really do mean around the world, as you'll see in just a moment, because my next guest, is the founder of Alice Technologies and is an adjunct instructor at Stanford University's PhD program in construction engineering. Renee Morcos, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Max. All right, so let's just start. Um, let's just start by setting the stage and tell me a little bit about your company, Alice Technology. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about how you started it first, and uh, you know what market did you see. What type of technology did you build to solve it? What did your first MVP product look like? What does it look like today? That sort of thing.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, Lots of questions there, I guess. um, Let me kind of uh, run you through how the company was formed or what was the kind of aha moment, right? Yeah. And I I wish there was two. There's one, but there's two. Um, And so the the first aha moment is... um, I am building landing landing strips for F-16s in Afghanistan, of all places. And um, it's, a, it's a concrete slab, relatively simple project, and I'm trying to figure out how to sequence it. And I got, you know, about 30 guys or 33 guys, and I'm thinking, well, if I put four over here, and they do, co- you know, rebar there, and the production rate changes, and I move them over here, and I and I can't seem to, like, figure out the the, the optimal solution. Like, I've got a solution. It works, right? But... um. And I keep thinking like, okay, it would be kind of cool to have a computer kind of figure all this out for me, right? Yeah. And I think to myself, okay, so the computer that, that figures this out for me, you know, I went to find it. I went to UC, did my master's there, went to Stanford, did my PhD, kept looking for the software tool that would do that. And um, it didn't, uh, I didn't really, you know, I didn't find it and I ended up building it. Um, and I think the other um way that I kind of, you know, ended up doing this was um, I was in a, I was building the, or helping build, I should say, the um, cruise ship terminal in Amsterdam. And the cruise ship terminal in Amsterdam was at the time six weeks late. And every day was 50,000 euros. And these guys were pretty stressed out because they had kind of blown through the profit on the job. And instead of, you know, yelling at each other, and I got up, looked out the window and I noticed that there was, you know, 100,000 square foot of empty space and six people standing in it. And I realized that construction sites are empty. But, right? you know, look at any construction project anywhere in the world and there's lots of empty space. Yeah, there's one out here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I never, like, it, when you look at it, there's this kind of work happening, you know, in a pocket somewhere, right? But it's not like there's a lot of work happening in all places. And I measured that, on average, 3% of construction site space is used for construction. Right. And so 3%, so I was like, you know, holy cow, like if you can increase that, right, um, you should be able to reduce project duration. And so I got started in, you know, being in Silicon Valley, being at Stanford at the time of doing my PhD, um, you know, started to realize that there's lots of different ways you can increase space usage. Like you could sort of schedule A, B, and C at the same time, or maybe you could do A, D, F, or A, D, E, or whatever the... You know, allocation of of tasks was. And so, you know, started to fidget around with algorithms. And that's kind of one of the questions that you asked, like, what did Alice used to look like? What does it look like now? Um, Well, Alice, when when we started, was literally a screen that would show you these little squares that would pop up. And so the, the 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 view was like a top-down view. Imagine you were sort of in a helicopter looking down at a construction site. So these you, squares was this a
0: map. Each square.
1: Yeah, the map would be where the work was occurring. Okay. So you know somebody building the column in the you know upper upper corner. You know there would be a little blob, a square that would appear as as I'm building that 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 column. Right. And right, right. so, yeah, these you know. And at one point we realized like, oh, we should change the colors of the squares so that you can kind of differentiate between different tasks, right? And so, you know, they would have a little timer on the right side and it will imagine like a bunch of squares. And the, and the great thing about Silicon Valley is that we raised, I think half a million bucks based off of that, right? Um, a bunch of squares and like on has got a screen, but you know, the graphics sucked, right? But what it was actually doing was pretty nifty. It was actually telling you how to build a construction project. It was literally telling you here's what you need to do to build a project. Right. And so from there, we, we started to build, you know, product around it. Right. We had a technology, we needed a product. And so, you know, today it's, it's, you know, really polished, very nice looking sort of thing that, that you can, you know, set up and schedule and, and resequence and, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of technology. You know, okay. I, I,
0: yeah, I, I want to get back into the, the product and the tech, but I want to go back first and ask you about a couple uh, couple of things that, 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 that I heard. So the interesting projects, uh, you were in Afghanistan, you were in, where was the cruise ship terminal? Was that in Amsterdam, Amsterdam you said? Yeah. yeah so where? Wh- give me a sense of what was the timeline of those uh, versus when you started Alice and like what, how did you end up in Afghanistan? Because uh, you mentioned <laughs> of all places and it's like, well, hold on, I don't want to just let that go.
1: I mean, it's the it's the it's, it's a you know top top tourist destination for anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess um, I I never liked school, you know, which is kind of interesting because I am now a, an adjunct professor, you know. Um, I would cut class in my bachelor's degree and go volunteer in construction projects, right? Uh, and so what I would do is I would basically go to knock on these doors. And say, hey, do you guys need a construction engineer, right? And they'd say, no, buzz off. You look like you're 18, and I was like, I am. <laughs> you know, what if I were three? And they'd say, okay, well, sure. And so, you know, I did the uh, Lebanese University at the time. I was studying in Beirut, American University of Beirut. I did um, uh, Lebanese University. I did um, uh, underwater pipeline. Uh, a couple of sort of minor jobs, and then. I wanted to go to Afghanistan. I, I thought it would be a great uh, experience personally and, and professionally. And so I went to Kabul. I worked as a private contractor uh, for a company. Our, our official slogan was Hara Construction of Afghanistan. Take it easy, we will build it again. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I did that. Um, then ended up, you know, did some, finished that, worked in Dubai for a while, worked in the Bentley Motors showroom. Uh, worked on a whole bunch of projects around the world ended up doing a, a phd then my master's at USC did a phd and I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to do what they call an industrial phd so it's six month on six month off so back and forth and yeah, so that yeah. sounds
0: like a good idea
1: yeah and I'm kind of you know surprised that you know that this isn't a more like um, well-known or used way to do a phd um because um you know it was really really cool i'd I'd go to the i'd go to the the um i'd go to the field you know try out these you know prototypes i had i'd go back to the lab you know improve them tinker with them then go back to the field you know try them again so it was a very like it was very applied research in a lot of ways
0: cool yeah yeah so um so uh, right. So the timeline, so let's, the, the timeline before we move on, when did you start Alice and when were you working on those previous, uh, uh, previous projects?
1: Yeah. So I, I started, 99, uh, started my bachelor's degree graduate okay. in 04. in Afghanistan in 05, okay. yeah 05, pretty much all of 05, end of 04, all of 05, uh, almost, you know, bled into '06. And then um, started my PhD at Stanford '09. Yeah, and then uh, you know did this you know six month on, six month off for the first four, four and a half years. And so I was going to Amsterdam and back, and that's kind of where I picked up the Amsterdam experience.
0: Yeah. i'm just trying to get a sense because you know a a lot of people want to start new things i want to start new things and it's always there's always this sense of oh i'll build something and uh you know six months later the idea will come to fruition and i feel like oftentimes it's many many years of um having a certain interest and a certain passion and being sparked from different directions that kind of um that kind of go into it it sounds like that's what happened in your case
1: yeah, for sure, right. I didn't actually set out to found a company. We we won the each competition at Stanford, the, the the entrepreneur competition on campus. And we were voted the best product coming out of Stanford University that year. So, um, the thing that I, I like the average time here's a few statistics that are interesting, right? The okay, average yeah. time to create a company is seven years. Wow, right? Um, something like one um, percent of the companies that apply for funding get funded at the seed stage or, or at all. Right. So like, you know, it's only 99% don't get funded. Right. And then from that 1% that do get funded, the numbers drops, like, again, you know, 10% of them or 20% of them make it to to the series, a and then 10% make it to, you know, and so the chances of succeeding are pretty slim. Right. Um, uh, the, Seven years, like you were saying, like you know, do you need to have a whole bunch of interest in the come? That is one way it happens, right? I've also seen the other way where somebody picks something. Like, I had a friend that said, "Hey, I'm going to go, like, you know, trucks, right? You know, trucks, tires, right? Or really suck, right? They 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 blow up and they cause all these issues, and I'm going to see them on the road over there. (laughs) See them on exactly right, and I'm going to go focus on that. But yeah, you know. Then, you know, you're saying, well, I don't have all this disparate kind of all these experiences have kind of coagulated into this, this one idea, I focused on this idea, but the end result is still the same. Because, you know, if you do it that way, you still have to go do a whole bunch of research on, on trucking companies and truck tires and what the pricing model is, and you know, like, so whatever you're going to do, you're going to end up in some situation where you spend seven years Iterating on on something, tinkering with it, you know, going back to the drawing board, tweaking it, and so on and so forth. And I think that seven-year mark is really interesting because if you look at at consultants or professors or lawyers, right, generally the the seven-year mark is when you kind of get to be partner. If you're working at a consulting company like McKinsey, you know, seven years is when you make partner, right? Plus, minus could be nine, Right. Law firms, you know, very similar. Um, <clears throat> law firms are similar. Uh, professors, right? You you get tenure after seven years, right? And so it seems that that seven-year mark is, I think, roughly what humans are capable of, of you know, um, uh, uh, delaying, <clears throat> you know, the end goal for, right? Mm. You know, in and, and some kind of a, you know, a meaningful mass way. And so what I, I guess what I'm trying to explain is that I think that the reason it's seven is because people start to quit after seven. Right. right? So right. The ideas, the ideas that needed more than the seven years, you know, people don't do. And the idea that needed less than seven years, a lot of those have been already done. Right? So I think that's why that seven year number kind of, you know, is where it is.
0: It's almost like a, it's like a market for time, time preference, time delay preference or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. All right. So um, let's get back to your initial product. Like, what what was going on in the background? So you had, I'm picturing this map, and maybe you guys can also uh, send me some uh, some little screenshots if you want. I could put it on the show notes page. Uh, but I'm picturing this map with little things of what's going on. But what's it doing under the hood? How's it How is it recommending to you? You know which tasks to is it recommending to you which tasks to do in what order uh is it telling you who to hire what to put where is, is is that kind of thing that i'm I'm picturing and and how is it doing that like brute force you start with brute force or is it doing something uh uh did did, did that not work did you have to start with something a little more complicated than that
1: um yeah so so the um alice is a generative construction simulator right it's, it's a bit of a mouthful but here's what that means so uh, if you're unfamiliar with generative technology, uh, don't worry. You'll be an expert in about 30 seconds. <laughs> so the way I explain generative construction is through an example of generative design, right? So let's assume that you want to draw, I don't know, a cup, right? So you kind of draw sort of two circles in a plane, right? So kind of got cylindrical shape. If you want a bigger cup, you redraw it. A smaller you got to redraw the cup every time there's a change. Somebody came along and said, Hey, what if I have like a, parametric tool it has parameters height and diameter so i can change the parameters and the tool redraws the object so you're like oh that's kind of cool right so so changing parameters and having these these changes ripple through your system is parametric generative simply means that i don't want to change the parameters one by one you the computer try all the parameter values from 1 to 10,000 and give me the design with the greatest, you know, power output, the building with the greatest rentable area or whatever, whatever it is, whatever optimization function you're looking to optimize. And so for us, Alice is a system that <coughs> takes a construction project, you put it in our system and it can generate 6 million different ways of building it for you. It will build your project with one crane, two cranes, overtime, no overtime, right? And so um, it, it is what you were saying. It, it will tell you the optimal sequence in which to construct, the optimal number of trains, the optimal number of crews, right? It will tell you all of this stuff. So that's, that's basically how the system works.
0: Right. So, but like if you have too many parameters, you have too many combinations, you can't really brute force every single combination, can you?
1: That is correct. There's no. Um, so let's start with why is it simulation? Right, it's a genetic construction simulator. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's simple. Uh, there is no mathematical answer to the, the, the riddle that we're trying to solve. Right. So you can't look at a construction project and say, okay, it needs six thousand tasks, and these tasks need these resources, and these resources are being used in this. You know, then I have this many resource, these many resources available, and this is the sequence. You know, these are the potential sequences. Um, there is no no mathematically tractable way to solve this. And so, if there is not a mathematically attractive way to solve it, then simulation is the way to go. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, um, you are correct. There are too many sequences out there for you to be able to do all of them. Right. And there could be, you know, half a trillion, half a billion, you know, and there's a very large number. Of
0: yeah. There's some crazy exponential, you know,
1: yeah. 10, ten, ten the to the. There's that, one of the things that, that's interesting about our field, which is that. Um, Here's a question. All right, so let's assume that you're building a building and you, you've got, you know, three three foundations. You know, foundation A, foundation B, foundation C. And so you build A, then B, then C, and you kind of simulate the project and the project takes 100 days to complete, right? right. If you build CBA, right, instead of ABC, so you switch the sequence, you build CBA, is your duration going to be like 10,000? No. Sorry. Wait,
0: what was the question? So it's it's you're you're trying it two different ways. Right. Right. And then
1: if you if build A, then B then C. Right. Right. And you get a duration of a hundred. Okay. If you build C then B then A, is your duration right. going to be ten thousand? No, it's not going to be an order of magnitude different. Exactly. That's exactly the yeah. point. So so the, the thing is that when you resequence the work, you know, you'll generally in construction see, you know, twenty percent maybe change. Right? right. So what I'm trying to point out is that if you're dealing with optimization folks, which, you know, we, we have a whole bunch of them at the company, very smart folks. Um, they tend to spend a lot of time wondering about optimal solutions. Like, is this optimal? And there's this mathematical ways in which you can start figuring out whether a solution is optimal and so on and so forth. Right. Um, the, um, the, uh, the the actual answer in construction is that we don't need to guarantee optimality right if we generate 10,000 100,000 simulations we start to get a pretty good idea of what the what the range of, value, of available you know durations or costs or whatever it is is to us right, right. give you an example, like you know if you run 1000 simulations you'll get durations between 100 and 130 right right and if you run an additional you know, 10,000 simulations, usually that you, you don't see that much of an improvement. Maybe you'll get like a 99 to 131, right? Or something, right? Like you, you'll start to see very little improvements beyond that, you know, 10,000 simulation number.
0: So so what's kind of the strategy to, to search the space then? Are they just, are each of these um, simulations just generated randomly or are they done, you know, some kind of... Uh, Hill climbing, but, <laughs> you know, what, what's the, uh, uh,
1: it's, it's not a, it's not a question that we, we, we openly share, but, but to, uh, answer, okay. to, to answer your, your, you know, I, I can give you sort of some ideas of, of you know, um, how right. we're it, right. Um, one of the things that's, that's interesting is that, um, we are intimately familiar with the problem. And so the, 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 the good thing about, you know, doing construction scheduling, and only construction scheduling and construction scheduling over and over again, every day of every week, you know, every year, like we do construction scheduling is that you start to understand some specific properties of the construction schedule. And so you will start to understand that the, the order in which you resolve constraints, you know, helps and and sort of those kind of things. Um, The, the other thing that's sort of interesting is, you know, um, is it random? Um, Like to some extent, like what isn't, Right. So yes. Right. Like your original solution has some randomness in it. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. You're, you're using your, your, knowledge your, your heuristics knowledge that you understand some of the heuristics around the problem. And so you're sort of narrowing down the, the, the state space. That makes sense. Right. Um, right. <coughs> the um, state space, the the um, The other thing that's kind of interesting about, oh, here's an interesting one as well, which is in terms of randomness. So one of the things that was really sort of interesting for us is that when you run Alice, right, um, the computer scientists always want to explore more options. You know, the more options you explore, the bigger the chances you have of finding a more optimal solution, a better solution.
0: Right. So you want a bigger space and you run into cursed dimensionality.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. What's kind of interesting is that for us, when we run Alice, right, let's say that you run Alice and you run it a thousand times and it looks at a thousand different ways of building your project and it says, here's the fastest of those thousand. Let's assume that somebody on the other side of the planet runs that same simulation, just simply clicks rerun on it. If it gives you different solutions, it really messes with the user's head in the sense that the user's like, well, with the bleep, right? This thing right, right. I I hit simulate twice and it gave me completely different results. Right. And so what's interesting is that the randomness of our solutions, there's an interest like there's a give and take in the sense of if you rerun it, we want you to have the same thousand runs that you had originally. So there's a pseudo random generator. So that this this push and pull between more variability i e greater um optionality so greater potential to optimize versus less variability so i have the solutions that i'm familiar with alternatively solutions that are better and match what i have in my head more right that's a that's a a, an interesting kind of almost philosophical dynamic at the company right which is you know more freedom right gives gives more power right but also you can have more junk right and less freedom Means less power, but you know more closely aligned with what I expect to see, and that's an interesting, you know, um, interesting kind of you know edge that we kind of you know skate around, and, and it's it's we've learned a lot as we've we've applied these things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> what I'm thinking now is this podcast is called the local maximum, so I feel like it's obligatory to ask: Do you make sure that the results are at least a local maximum? Like, do you fiddle with it, like you find nearby solutions and yeah. make sure you're at the top? So,
1: so, so you you can in with this state, a solution space, you will end up at a local maximum. Hmm. And so, so, what what the software does is it is it kind of re rejigger the seed so to speak to knock you out of that and then sort of start looking at, at other local maximum
0: right and then you find the best local maximum you can it might not be the global maximum but like you said before it's going to be pretty good um it's going and, to be pretty good. Exactly. Uh, and probably the global maximum is not much better um no
1: it's like I mean, the way i've explained it is like is there a yeah. solution out there that is like one day shorter than the te- you know than the than what's available from these 10,000 runs, you can get hit by a meteorite, you know, but the chances are pretty darn slim, right? right. There's a solution out there that's going to be like a hundred days or 50. No, there's not. Right.
0: How do you, how do you deal with the fact that a lot of this is not really even deterministic? Like, you know, a, a lot of tasks could be like, this yeah. might not take five days. This could take three days or seven days. And there's some probability distribution. Does that make the product Absolutely. a lot more complicated? Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a really, really like critical key question to anybody working in in optimization or AI or, or ML or anything. Um, the first like the the, the the first question that we had to answer as a company is is are we building a stochastic or deterministic system, right? And so for users, you know, they're unfamiliar with the terms. Um, deterministic means that you assume that that. Reality is going to, you know, match exactly, you know, how you said it. So, you know, it takes five days to build a column. So every column in this building is going to take five days, right? And you assume that, that, you know, uh, the crew shows up and does what it's supposed to. It's deterministic. It's predetermined how this is going to play out. There's a different way to do it, which is stochastic, which is uh, I'm going to roll some dice, right? So the column is, is five days. It could be plus minus. It could be six. It could be, you know, four, right? Um Alice is a fundamentally deterministic system. Now, so you might think, you know, anybody kind of uh, learned in the arts, so to speak, would say, you know, what the heck? A deterministic system, that's not useful. Reality isn't deterministic, right? There's always variability, right? You know, people are tired that day, so they work slower or they want to get home early, so they work faster, right? There's always variability in your system. So right. the thing that I think a lot of people People miss, and this is my sort of you know opinion, is that a deterministic system doesn't necessarily mean that you're not able to deal with variability. Right? There's there's two kind of ways, you know, two two points that are important here. One is that um in a deterministic stochastic system, um first of all, you rarely, at least I've not seen it, you know. I I would imagine that, that it does exist somewhere, but the probability distributions are not known. So when you say, hey, I I want, you know, for a stochastic system, you don't say the column takes five days. You say the column takes anywhere between three and seven days, right? Right. But, you know, is it like, here's some questions, right? Is it between three and seven or is it between two and eight? Or is it between four and eight or five and eight? And if it's between three and eight, is it, a, a normal distribution or is it most of the time it's closer to three, right? Yeah. only it rarely is. Probably log normal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so, so what I'm trying to explain is that, that the nobody has these probability distributions, right? You can assume a normal distribution. Fair enough. Right. You can say, you know, um, it's going to be, you know, closer to, you know, three or, or, or eight. So a, no one has those probability distributions. B, um, even if you did, here's the issue. So what the software is going to do is it's going to run that simulation for you. And it's going to say in certain cases, the column is going to be three. In certain cases, the column is going to be eight. Right? Right. But the problem is that I wasn't there when that dice was rolled. So when when you run it, um, here's where the ter- deterministic systems allows you to account for these, these probabilistic, you know, factors. When I run a deterministic system, I can say, you know what? We were going to get the building permit in June. And so when we we're going to work on earthwork, we were going to work quickly because it's not raining. But now it's January, right? And it's going to be raining and that's going to mess up our earthwork. So I can go into my system and I can tweak the production rate for earthwork. So what I'm saying is, is that in a stochastic system, it becomes very difficult to see where the buffer in the system is or isn't, right? Especially if it was done randomly. So what's kind of confusing about it is that the system doesn't think to itself, oh, you know, um, columns for this project are some weird column that was imported from China that nobody's how to build, so I'm going to apply a you know longer than average duration to all the columns in the system, right? Or vice versa, right? And so um, with a deterministic system, you can apply that you know stochasticity into it is 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 a, is a point. And the last point I'll make is that um, what's really cool about a deterministic system is it's very quick to update any changes that are, are happening in real time, right? So the, um, the uh, probabilistic, uh, the probability, um, let's assume that the production rate is, is lower or higher, you can just update your system and hit resimulate. if I'm making sense.
0: Yeah. 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 I think this whole, uh, stochastic versus deterministic discussion is, is really in- interesting. I think it gives us like real insight, uh, into how some of these statistical models work in the real world. And it sounds like it's really a, um, it's really an important design decision, uh, based on what your, um, what your application is. So it, it sounds like in, in yours deterministic is the way to go. And if you want to look at, Different things that could happen, different scenarios. You simply program, you simply input those, and you get a bunch of different scenarios. Yeah, because that what I'm getting right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's very fascinating. It sounds like if you try to do stochastic as well, it would everything just becomes a lot more complicated um, as well on the back end. Uh, I mean, the, the, because
1: here's the deal, right? You, you have a stochastic yeah. system. I've used them, right? The stochastic system has a thousand tasks, right? And each of those tasks has some duration. that could be done in. Yeah three days or eight days, minimum three, maximum eight, minimum 10, maximum 20, minimum, yeah. you know, maximum. So you, you might, each of those problem. might
0: have a hundred different scenarios and then
1: you yeah. have all of a sudden. But then, So the system runs it, you say, you know, roll the dice, pick a randomly duration between the two numbers I gave you and, and run it. And then, so the system yeah. comes back and says, you have an 80%, I ran a, whatever, I ran 500 simulations and for 300 of them, the duration was a hundred days or less. So you go to your boss and you say, I have a 60% chance of finishing this project in a hundred days or less. Yeah. What like, okay. What, what, what does that mean? Like, what do I do with that? I need to, I need to deliver this job to the client in a hundred days. So you want me to go to the client and say, well, you know, we have a 60% chance of delivering on time. It's like, no, you're going to deliver this on time. That's what we paid to do. Right. 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 So that's, That's the the challenge with these these stochastic systems. And there are certain, you know, instances where you have the probabilities, right? There are certain probability distributions that have have been calculated, right? Great. Then then we can use it. For a field like construction, no, we don't have that data. Yeah.
0: So... Okay, I, I want to shift gears a little bit because you've been optimizing construction projects for a while now. What do you find is usually the bottleneck for these construction projects? Like, what kind of advice does your software um, give these project managers uh, or, or give the people running it that that seems to um, work really well? Like, do people say like, oh, I never would have thought to, to do it this way?
1: What's interesting about the, the software is that mm, most of, yeah, you know, in probably 70% of the cases, or whether that's most of it, like in probably 70% of the cases we see the software figures something out that the human didn't. Hmm. And um, here's an example, right? So we were working one of the earliest jobs. This kind of one of the first times the system, you know, quote, outsmarted me. And so in construction, you tend, you know, let's say you're building a a, a multi-story parking lot, Right. And so in construction, what you try to do is you try to put your steel on Thursday so you can pour the concrete on Friday and it dries over the weekend, right? So concrete that dries, right? You know, you, you, nobody's working on the weekend, so you want it to be drying on the weekend. And so in construction, you know, my dad was in construction. He kind of raised to put the steel on Thursday, pour it on, on, on Friday, dry it over, cure it over the weekend, right? Um What's interesting is the software, when we ran the simulations, did something that, that I've never seen before or thought about. And what it did was it, it did the, that expected pattern on the first floor. But on the second floor, it cured or dried the concrete during the week. Which you're like, wait, why would it dry the concrete during the week? That doesn't like that. Because, you know, no one's your, your labor force that's available isn't isn't working. Right. they're waiting for the concrete to dry. Right. And the third floor was weakened. the fourth floor was weak. The fifth floor weak, weak and weak, weak and weak, weak and weak. And then originally, I was thinking, like, you know, is it possible they just like really, you know, I mean, it went through three million sequences, but it, it screwed it up, right? Or what's yeah, going you're up?
0: like thinking, is there a bug? Is there exactly? <laughs> In there?
1: But then when you when you looked at it, what we realized was that if you had forced the software to do, you know dry the concrete on the weekend, what it, on the next floor, it would have to wait. It was like, to, it was ready to, to, to pour the concrete on Tuesday. And if you had to wait, you would have pushed it out till Friday, if that makes sense. So like for it to do weekend, right. weekend, 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 it would have to wait. And so what I realized was actually the, the optimal cycle. So in our field, you're always thinking in terms of what, you know, cycles, very strangely wasn't one floor because for us, we're always thinking in terms of, you know, one floor is one cycle. So I, I got to get the cycle down for one floor. Right. And, um, what the software figured out is that the optimal cycle was two floors. Right. So that's one example of, of, of it sort of figuring out something that, that we didn't know. And it that's happens a lot.
0: Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's actually a, a really fascinating example. I, uh, you know, I, and it, it, I guess it kind of makes sense. Like, if you're ready to pour on Tuesday, then maybe go on Tuesday. But uh, but you also kind of want to have it in the... And then having that, you know... It makes sense that that alternate works, I guess, but you wouldn't really think of it. You wouldn't really... Mm-hmm. Um, you, you wouldn't be sure if someone suggested it. You'd be like, are you sure? You know, I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. So that's really interesting. I, I think we're about out of time. But um, maybe you could tell us, A... Uh, a little bit about where people go to learn more and maybe any last thoughts some concluding uh ideas uh to to, to summarize uh what we went through today
1: yeah definitely check out our website alicetechnologies.com uh plural alice technologies um shoot me an email renee and alicetechnologies.com uh we're always keen to sort of work in projects uh commercial infrastructure jobs 100 million and up uh, that's our sweet spot. If you've got any sort of complex project that's, that's running into trouble, we'll, we'll run it. Um, yeah. And I think like closing sort of thoughts um, what's happening in the construction industry right now is, is incredibly, incredibly exciting. It's the, what's happening to construction is what happened in manufacturing in the call it seventies, eighties, right? Construction is, is becoming digitized is becoming sort of a high tech, high end field. Uh, 2017 was, was sort of the turning point for us. And so, um, I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen in the next ten to fifteen years as, as more and more, you know, companies like ours uh, start to saturate the market.
0: Very great, uh, Renee, and also this will be available on our show notes page, uh, localmaxradio.com/slash two nineteen. Renee, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Max, great to be here. Thanks a lot. Have a good day.
0: All right, that was uh, quite a lot of fun. Next week, it'll be either me or just me and Aaron maybe, and we'll talk about some more AI news Um, that'll be more current events driven. And the week after, I have an episode for you on AI and emotion. So that'll be really interesting. This is a big AI month here on The Local Maximum. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show.